brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another end of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. And it's amazing what happens when you hit the record button. <laughs> Inside joke to Tanner Glisson, the head coach of Troopers, batting leadoff this week here on the podcast. I decided to catch up with some friends who are 3-0. and And Tanner, you're batting leadoff. How does it feel? Awesome, John. I used to bat leadoff back in the day. And uh, so, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. I hope you're having a great Labor Day and uh, just excited about this football season. So uh, we have some friends who, who do some television down there in Columbus, and they, we, we battle for the tag team championships when it comes to uh, television. Hannah and I battle with Jack and Rex for the tag team titles when it comes to sports television. That's right. And, and one of them referred to Teo Todd as a cheat code. Duke County's Teo Todd was a human cheat code. And I think that that is probably the, the theme song in on the Western Frontier early this year. Is Teo Todd a cheat code, Coach? He, he is a cheat code, uh, that, that's for sure. He, uh, he is really dynamic. You know, Teo was the leading freshman rusher in the country in 2020. He had uh, nearly 1,700 yards. He was the Atlanta Touchdown Club freshman of the year for all classifications. And so uh, last year he went down for about four or five games with a knee injury. Seems to be healthy now, and we're just really excited about him. I was going to ask you how his game has continued to grow and evolve since we seem to have been seeing him at quarterback for you since he was eight years old. How has his game evolved? (laughs) Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, during this offseason, we felt the need to make a change at the office coordinator position. So we went and, uh, and found someone who we thought really fit, and that's Kyle Wilson coming to us from Brooks County. And uh, so, Kyle, uh, we sat back and watched those guys at Brooks County make that uh, state championship run last year and, and did some similar things in that offense that we thought Teo could do. And so um, we really felt like we that was kind of the missing piece, you know, to get a coordinator in here who we kind of – help him expand a little bit. Uh, Teo's um, more or less a running back playing quarterback. And so we felt like he had to get better in the passing game. And because of his size, some things he can do in the middle of the field, some things he's got to get out of the pocket to do. And really felt like Kyle Wilson brought that to the table. And so it's, it's fun to see right now. He's, he's having a great year and uh, we just hope to keep him healthy. I was going to say, and you kind of answered this for me, what does he need to work on as he continues to grow? But, you know, you, you mentioned the idea of adding the passing game to someone who is not afraid to tuck and run. Yeah, and, you know, John, I think one of the things, too, though, his, his receivers around him have to develop. You know, so it's not just all on Teo. He, uh, we have Quay Moss out there who is our uh, lead dog in the receiving core who's done a really good job. But then we've got a bunch of junior, sophomore guys that are very talented, um, but just trying to find their way with the experience. And uh, hopefully those guys can continue maturing. It'll do nothing but help Teo. So when you look at your team out of the blocks at 3-0 and and you've done some work in the Western Frontier against other teams that are in that footprint, when, when you look at yourself right now, how would you grade yourself in your three phases? 
Uh, you know, I think we've done what we set out to do. Um, you know, the game with Harris County, you never know. They were in a transition deal with head coaches, a uh, team that went to the second round last year. But we always played them because of proximity, in you know, us bordering uh, Harris County to the north. And then uh, we wanted to sandwich a game in between Harris County, who was a rival, and also Callaway, who was a rival. And so we went with Hardaway, who was always very physical. You know, regardless of the scoreboard, they're always really physical. And so we did what we had to do in those two games. You know, we were up 33 to nothing at halftime versus Harris. So a lot of those guys, Teo Todd, and those guys didn't see action in the second half. Um, the Hardaway game, I think it was maybe 49-21. And there again, it was a physical, you know, test for us. Uh, we passed that test. And then a, another rivalry game with a physical pedigree of a Callaway team expects to win type deal, uh, big crowd at Callaway Stadium and to come out victorious in that one. So I think we've checked three of the boxes and it's going to really heat up here with Whitewater and Stars Mill coming up. Well, I was going to say, you know, you're heading into a bye week and a lot of coaches, when they have this kind of momentum, you're out of the blocks three and oh, do you want to catch your breath a little bit? Do you want to keep going? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, you know, we could take it or leave it either way. Uh, you know, we're not very deep. Uh, we do play some guys both ways. So those kind of breaks kind of help us catch our breath and hopefully the weather will cool down a little bit. And uh, so, therefore, it won't be such a strain for the Quay Birdsongs, the Quay Mosses, even Teo Ty plays a little bit of defense. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that Callaway game fell at a good time because it's a good test. You know, Callaway, I know they fell out of the top ten uh, in double-A this, this, this week here, but uh, they'll be back in the top ten. There's no doubt about that. So, you had a top ten double-A Callaway team and a top ten Whitewater team and a top ten Sandy, uh, Stars Mill team coming up. So, there's three top ten teams in a row. Break's probably not a bad thing. And, you know, you look at your region now, you know, you mentioned Whitewater, you mentioned Stars Mill, and then you go down toward the end of your schedule in, in games nine and 10, and you've got Trinity Christian and Kenny Gallus, who wanted to move up to Quad A because of proximity and all of that. And then you finish with the, the house that Napier's building at LaGrange. I mean, your region is stacked, man. Yeah, it's wild. You know, and I mentioned this in another interview a few days ago, and I don't mean it any direct shot in the reclassification committee or anything, but you kind of wish there's – you count those teams, you count Riverdale, and you, and you throw in Troop. So there's six teams that are really, really good teams, and only four teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, and then you look at some other regions, and you're like, uh, you know, uh, these teams, you know, three or four of them wouldn't even make the playoffs in our region. You know, so you kind of wish that was a little more spread out to give a little more – Fairness when the tournament gets here, but, you know, it is what it is, and it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, that game, that last game with the Grange at the very end, week 10, could be for a lot. You know, it's already a big deal here, and we're lucky to have won six in a row against those guys, but you can't you can't ever count that game. That game's always like Auburn, Alabama, and so, you know, it, it could be wild. Does it seem like this is your eighth year head coaching at Troop? It sure does not. <laughs> it uh, it does not. You know, I was just thinking of that the other day and coming over from Manchester. And the first year I got here was June the 1st. I slept in the field house. We had six running clocks, went one and nine. You know, we were in a region with Sandy Creek and, and Stars. I mean, uh, Sandy Creek and Cartersville and Carrollton was in there at that point. And uh, it was just, ooh, it was tough. So when you look back at who you were as a head coach at Manchester and as someone who has grown up there in West Georgia in the footprint. How do you think you've changed as a coach since you started coaching? And then how have you changed as a head coach and how have you matured over time? 
Well, number one, I was a head coach at a pretty young age. Um, I played at Manchester, so I followed Greg Oglesby at Manchester, and that was really a tough thing to do, 150 wins, state runner-up, state champion. And so that that was a tough gig to follow. And I think probably for the first three or four years of my career, head coaching career, I was trying to figure out how to be a head coach. You know, I think it just took me a, a longer than most probably to try to figure that out and, uh, and uh, surround ourselves with good people. I think that's the biggest thing here now at Troop. You know, we've got 13 coaches at the varsity level and we're surrounded with good people. So that's that's very important. And at the same time, over the last handful of years, there's also been a capital investment by the, the Board of Education there to give you some top-notch facilities over the last couple of seasons, too. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, we had the brand-new athletic facility. Um, you know, when we built it, it was $15.3 million. Today, it'd probably be twice that much. And so uh, it's really, really nice. My wife is the principal at, at our feeder middle school. So we just have one feeder middle school. And I have a, a kid now at all three schools. I have one at Long Cane Elementary, Long Cane Middle, and Troop High. And so we're pretty invested. Um, and so the, the community has been great. It's a great football place. You know, you look at Troop, LaGrange, and Callaway, and those are three solid programs. Uh, it used to be when I first got here, whoever the – the, the, the weak dog was, you know, people kind of flocked away from you and went to places where they thought they had a better chance to win. And, and now you have three very competitive teams. And, and LaGrange is good talent pool, um, but I don't know for all three teams to win at a high, high, high level that there's that much talent. You know, it's kind of spread out between three of the, of the schools here. And so all three schools have to do a really good job of coaching. Last question for you, and thanks for hanging out. When it comes to mentors, this is a question that's kind of popped up in, in some of the other things that, I, that I've come across this year. I know that we always have those folks who are on speed dial. When you've got a question, you know, it's like other outside of maybe calculus or something. When it comes to a coaching question, we all have those folks on speed dial. Who are those folks on speed dial for you when you've got a question that you know will pick up the phone when you reach out to them and why? Well, you know, I'm going to get in a little trouble if I don't mention everybody. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, obviously I grew up in the Greg Oglesby, Zeke Gear uh, coaching tree. Uh, Tommy Parks, who, who's recently passed away, and Jeremy Williams uh, from down at Greenville and, and Lee with Tommy. Uh, those two guys, uh, Chip Metters, uh, who is assistant superintendent over here, who is actually the principal that hired me here. And then Dale McGee was on that staff with us up at Greenville. And, and so all those are, are really good. Uh, as far as current coaches, uh, Chip Walker at Noonan and I uh, talk a lot and, and, and pretty good buddies with that. So, um, you know, those guys are all good, but well, there's a wealth of knowledge with Stephen Holmes back at Manchester, who was my assistant head coach there. And uh, just, you know, that's the thing, I think that's one thing about this job that I really enjoy is that fraternity. You know, uh, I've never uh, created anything on my own. I've always stole and borrowed from everybody, and I hope to do that and give back to other young coaches when I can. All right, I fibbed. One more question. You, since, yep. you, since you mentioned Tommy and Jeremy. Yep. And they meant the world to both of us. I mean, I'm, yep. I'll break the fourth wall and say that. That's easy. Right. When I mention Tommy and Jeremy, what comes to mind is what we're missing with them not being with us. Oh, man. Uh, you know, those two guys were characters, and and, and they were different. Um, Tommy was 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 tough, hard-nosed. Um, I learned so much about defensive line from Tommy, uh, how to coach, how to work, a, 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 indie, a defensive offensive group, you know. Uh, and he, he always gave me a lot of uh, – 
advice when I got into quad A because none of those other guys had ever coached at the quad A level. Um, and with Jeremy, Jeremy was my quarterback coach at Manchester. And uh, I went with Jeremy uh, at his first job to Greenville. And I uh, still see uh, Jennifer and, and, and Jacob and, and Josie all the time and uh, get a little emotional when I start talking about those two guys because they were very dear friends and a lot of great memories. Um, but I know they're proud. And, uh, you know, we work hard every day to make them proud. Tanner, thanks for hanging out with us and enjoy the bye week. We'll catch up with you on the flip side. Thank you, John. I appreciate everything. Batting second on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast of the Hey, You're 3-0 edition, Shannon Jarvis, the head coach of Elbert County and the Blue Devil. Shannon, thanks for hanging out on the show. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. All right. So can you go into summer workouts for me and what your general vibe was coming into this season? What were some of your takeaways leading into Matt, uh, game week one? Oh, yeah. You know, we, we had a lot of returning starters back and, and kids that had played. You know, my first two years, we had a lot of freshmen and sophomores starting. And so um, a lot of those kids were back. And we, we, were, we had, you know, behind closed doors, we had high hopes for this season for our kids. And, but when we started in January and February and really started ramping up our off-season workouts and all, we noticed these kids were, you know, I won't use the term, they were bought in a lot more, uh, you know, surprisingly a little bit for us. Um, and, and from that day, from January on, this has been one of the most enjoyable teams for me to coach uh, day in and day out. They, they have a great spirit about them. Um, we knew our first three games when you're playing Hart County to open the year, you knew it's a huge rival. They've got a great team, you know, and you, you know, you've got a team that's right there on the bubble right there as far as their spirit. But they need, you know, you had to have something positive happen. And um, in that game, I, I don't know if I've coached a game or. I know I have, but I mean, that's, it's one of those games when it was over, I was so proud of our kids, their resiliency. It was a huge, it was a heavyweight bout that night. It looked like a high level playoff game, Hart County us and the momentum was swinging every time they scored, we would respond. And it was just a great night. And for our kids to make a fourth down stop to end the game, um, just, just our defenses has every time we've had to have a stop, they've rose and made a stop this year. So just so proud of the kids. I really am, you know, we can coach and, scheme and this and that but the reality is those kids have to go out there and play with a, a belief and love for each other and, and that's what this team is showing that they they've got a tremendous uh, amount of that both love and respect for each other and just they've been a pleasure to coach so far and then you add to that the win in week two over madison county and then another win over harlem in week three to get you to this point how would you grade where you are after your first three games well you know i was waiting for a letdown um, you know, after the hard game, such an emotional win and, and played well, you know, and I, and I challenged them the week getting ready for Madison. And, and, you know, we got in the Madison game. They've got a tremendous offense. I think Madison's going to have a great year this year. Um, but we end up getting in a little bit of a shootout and, and winning that game. And then you're getting ready for Harlem and, and you, you put in the film and they've got a great tailback. They coach has done a great job at Harlem. So you look at it and you say, how do you know, looking back over these first three games, we, we have had to go these 12 quarters, and, I mean, it's been mentally tough plays. Every single play has been mentally tough. And so I'm proud of our kids' maturity. We call the mental toughness that they've had, the, um, how they're playing um, and, and being consistent. Uh, last Friday probably was our sloppiest game um, that we've played to date, but, but that's stuff we can work and correct. We've got an open week this week, and so that's something we're looking forward to um, with the open week to be able to start really correcting some of the mistakes that we've had. But um, their resiliency and mental toughness has been something that just my biggest takeaway these first three weeks has been that for this team. 
and it seems like you're reading my notes because that was going to be my next question. Because you're at three and zero, and you're heading into a bye. You know, you're heading into a bye week. Do you want the bye when you've got this momentum? Do you not yeah. want the bye or what? You know, John, that's a great question. There's been times we've had buys later in the year getting ready for the playoffs, and I didn't want it. I thought we lost a little momentum. But at this point where we're at, this is where we needed to hit the brakes just a little bit, regroup, regather with, with, the, with the games that we've been in, the mentally taxing games that we've had. Uh, this break is coming at a great time for us. Um, I feel confident these kids will pick up where we left off as far as the momentum um, because, frankly, our execution has got to improve. Like I said, this past Friday, we did not execute or play at a, at the level we had been at. So um, we, we need to regroup. we got to do a better job of leading them. And um, I'm confident this little team responding, though. You've, dri- you've dropped after reclassification. You're now in Region 8A Division One, so A-1 yes, for those following along with their scorecards. And you're in one of those, what I like to call, for lack of a better phrase, a mini region, M-I-N-I, because you only have three region games and it's a sprint going up against Rabin County Commerce and Athens Christian. But that's in the middle of October. You still have, after the bye week, four more non-region games. First and foremost, how difficult was it for you to schedule seven non-region games? John, I, I've said this publicly, privately. Every, scheduling this year is the toughest thing I've had to do as a head football coach. And I don't know, was this my 18th, 19th year as head coach? This non-region schedule was was absolutely a nightmare to put together. And it's really like you just talked about. It. It's not hard to get the week one, two, and three games. But now that you're getting into weeks five and six and seven, it's finding people that don't have region games that are willing to play you and um, when, when we were able to finally finalize this schedule, honestly, I was very proud of what we put together. We're playing very good teams every week. I mean, you you know, Washington Wilkes is ranked right now in single A. We have Woodfield Academy coming up. They're ranked. So what you have is a schedule that is going to be very taxing for our kids. It's a tough schedule. Obviously, I'm hoping they'll pay the dividends when we get to that region because you got three region games. And like you said, and no matter of two and three weeks, I mean, your season turns upside down. So um, I'm proud of the schedule we got to put together, but it, it, it was it was a huge challenge. And you know, I want to kind of dive into that just a little bit more because I don't I don't think that the average fan or the average yeah. follower of high school football understands it's texting, it's emails, yeah. it's pulling out what's left of your hair, it's it's scheduled Jenga like I don't think anyone can figure because. You know, for the next two seasons, first off, you had reclassification in the first place where folks had their idea put together. And then in some cases, it was torn asunder. And then you had to come up with a second plan. And then that second plan finally was your plan. And then you're sitting there going, okay, now what do I do? I mean, how much effort with a capital E went into all of this stuff? What was scheduling like in the in the 2022s? I know, and, and you know, I can tell with you, with you having the knowledge you have, you talk to a lot of coaches, John, so you have a lot of information with that. The general fan has no idea. You know, you get the question, well, why aren't you playing such and such? Well, we tried. <laughs> you know, we tried, but the coach, they have a region game that week. We don't, you know, and it's, it's putting the puzzle together. It's also coaches who will put you on hold as they're trying to get another opponent, but yet you're kind of set there on the warmer, and, you, and I know I am, you know, so I'm trying to get the coach to commit and – it, it, it was challenging, and it's like you said, um, we um, we non-stop, non-stop texting. Lord, I signed up for 
coaching services in South Carolina and Alabama to see really? which people were. Yeah, uh, you know, we went to states just looking for teams in other states that maybe have possibly have openings and stuff like that. So you just you had to cast your net even wider, you know. And and here at Elbert, we're on the South Carolina border anyway. So you know, Elbert has played South Carolina teams periodically at times, but. But even in Alabama and, and in all the states, we were just trying to find as many as we could. And, you know, like you said, you'd have the schedule set, and then all of a sudden the classifications changed again, so it just threw it all out. And um, it was a challenge, but it was nonstop. And, I, you know, our coaches and uh, principal, they knew I was stressed. It was a very stressful time because you got to get 10 games. And, and, you know, you're looking at travel, but at, at some point travel didn't even matter. You're just trying to get a game, especially in that week seven and six when everybody else in the state's playing. And um, so, you know, I'm speaking for a lot of coaches um, in, in, uh, you know, in the lower classifications that has a couple of these regions that are only four teams um, big and all. It, it's a huge challenge. Two more questions for you. Thanks for hanging out with your with your bye week here, and you know you're at three and zero as as part of the theme here. When it comes to going back home for you and being in that part of the state, coaching at Elbert County, what's it like having yet another year under your belt, being back in that part of the state? Yeah, you know, probably the thing I'm the proudest of right now is our kids are getting to experience what I did when I was a player in Elbert, where, you know, we were able to compete, have big crowds, a lot of excitement. You know, our town is a football town. Uh, you know, I knew that as a growing up there. I knew that playing there and now back there coaching. Um, I'm just proud that our kids are getting to experience this and they've worked so hard to make our town proud. Uh, they really have. And then that's something, you know, we have to focus on execution in football, but it, but there is a layer of that, that it matters. And it matters a lot to me that our kids represent whatever county is. I love my hometown. I love the people here. We're like any other home to a small town. We have our issues just like everybody else, but, but I, I wouldn't trade ours for for anywhere. And um, it's a great part of the state to live. You know, we have the lakes here, hunting and fishing, you know, you can get to Athens in 30 minutes. So it, it's a great area to live and raise a family, but it's also a great area to, to get your football team to be successful, to let, to let the whole town get excited about uh, the success of the team. And I know that Andy Dyer, as soon as he, <laughs> he heads immediately to the lake to get to the, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta be special to have some of your, your best friends there as a part of it too. It, I tell you, our staff is Andy coming in has added so much to our staff as a person. You know, a lot of people know Andy reputationally in regard to his uh, coaching ability, but he's even better person. And having him here and just um, it's, it's been one of the most, it goes with what I said earlier, it's one of the most enjoyable years I've had getting ready for a season. And, and a lot of that's the confidence I have in Andy. Andy brought some new blood, some some perspective that he was able to do things he did differently at Archer. And so there's a lot of changes we made too. And um, but our all of our staff has really uh, joined together. I, I've got a coaching staff of men. A lot, all of us have been here these first two years that we built up to this. You know, we inserted Andy in, and um, he's just done nothing but add and bring unity to our staff. And that's the type of man he is. Last question for you. At the end of recruiting 2022, that is that airs right before our game of the week on Football Fridays, there's a mm. segment that we have that's called "Make That Kid an Offer." And, oh, and what? And so here's where you put your thinking cap on. Um, when it comes to your roster right now, is there an athlete, or are there a couple of athletes that, for whatever reason, they're under, you know, they're, they're not tall enough. They're not big enough. They're, you know, they're one, they're overlooked because of geography, whatever the uh -huh. is on the board, they're under whatever. 
and they're not getting the looks that you think they should be getting, or they have some offers and you think that they should be getting a better offer, is is there an Elbert County Blue Devil that should be classified as make that kid an offer or make that kid a better offer? Yeah, John. I may keep you a little while. You didn't want to open this can of worms, but we got a we got a few kids to keep, be honest. Keep it calm. That's what it's. I know. Nominate. First of all, our, our running back Quan Moss is one of the best players I've coached in my career. He has one offer from Reinhardt, but he Quan rushed for two hundred and fifty yards two weeks ago. He's rushed over one hundred and fifty yards the first two games. He's a workhorse. Um, but Quan Moss, our running back, and when this is said and done, he'll have bigger offers. I'm, I'm pretty confident with it. We've got a lot of kids who are being successful right now that then. You know, with recruiting, it's become so accelerated that if they didn't do it their sophomore year, it's like too late a little bit. But but I'm hoping these kids are going to um, be um, getting the re- recognition they deserve. You know, we have a safety, L.J. Clark, I think is under-recruited. He tackles in space, plays great. He's probably he's so improved from his sophomore year. Now, he's played a lot, but he's become a very, very good player. We have uh, two receivers, Trustin Allen and, and – um, and uh, Christian Harris. Christian has some offers, but both of those guys are explosive players. I think we'll have a lot of opportunities. But, you know, and then, and then frankly, and I don't want to go through it, we have seven sophomore starters. That A lot of them started last year as freshmen. I think we got a sophomore class that has a chance to be very special, and a lot of those kids will be getting a lot of recognition coming up because they're putting some stats together right now. Um, that's our quarterback, Javen Hitman, Brady Dickerson, uh, Tyreekus Jones. I could rattle off a few of those sophomores, and I'm going to leave a few off, and I'm going to get in trouble for that. But um, I'm excited about recruiting. We, we had a lot of traffic last spring at, at Overt County. You know, obviously a lot of connections. I was able to make coaching in Gwinnett for so long. Um, a lot of coaches are receptive. So we're working tirelessly to get film communicate now. Andy has helped with this as well. You know, we, we've got we, we've got a group of talented kids right now at Elbert County that I'm excited about what they're going to be able to do with the opportunities with college. Shannon Jarvis, the head coach of the Elbert County Blue Devils, part of the Hey, You're 3-0 and Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Shannon, great to catch up with you, my friend. We'll catch up soon and keep an eye. And thanks for the Make Those yes. Kids and Offers. Yes, sir. Thank you, John. And batting third this week on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, we take a trip to Dahlonega and catch up with Heath Webb, the head coach of Lumpkin County. Coach, thanks for hanging out with us on the show. Thanks so much. Glad to, ha- glad to be on. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, let's go back to the beginning. What attracted you to the job at Lumpkin County in the first place? You know, it's kind of, it's not my hometown, but it's kind of my adopted hometown. Um, I was here in 2006. Uh, as an assistant under Tommy Jones uh, and, and fell in love with the town and fell in love with the community. Uh, my wife is from here. My in-laws are here. Uh, my brother-in-laws are here, cousins, all that sort of thing. So this is kind of a, yeah. So this has kind of been my adopted hometown and uh, a place that we spend a lot of time, even when we were working somewhere else, uh, a place that uh, my family and I just, uh, we love and it's a place where we spend a lot of time at and, you know, when we left in 2006, I got the uh, the head coaching job at, at North Paulding and uh, started that started that program from scratch. And uh, an opportunity like that was really the only thing that kind of pulled me away from this place to begin with. Uh, and when we left, uh, my wife and I were newlyweds and um, we had no kids. And uh, we said eventually that we would end up back here. And, uh, you know, the stars aligned and uh, we've got three kids in school now and being in this school system was very important to us. And so, uh, it just, all that sort of just led, led me back to, to Lumpkin County. And, 
you know, as a family, we're so excited to be back in this community. I was going to ask, do you consider yourself, because coaches have different personalities. Have you thought of yourself as a builder when it comes to your personality? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's been kind of my niche. And I guess, you know, kind of within the, the coaching market, the coaching world, uh, the administrators around the state have probably consider me that. And, you know, and uh, I, I tend to, it probably started when leaving Dahlonega for the first time and going to North Paulding and building that program from scratch uh, is probably where it all started. And, uh, you know, kind of did the same at, at other stops and, you know, taking jobs that were, you know, in bad places at the time um, and, and trying to trying to make them better. And uh, it's something that I really enjoy. Um, you know, the, the, the win, my, my overall win loss record probably takes a hit because of that, but, uh, but the rewarding side of it, the, the, the backside of it, when, when the program is rebuilt, uh, it, it's really rewarding. And so, uh, I, I love that. And I love being considered a builder, um, and, and, and love watching programs kind of take the flip and, and, and watching the communities get excited and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say I'm a builder. When it comes to your career, for those that don't know, there's the time at North Paulding. You spent some time with the D-O-double-Gs at Winder Barrow. Then you go from Winder Barrow to Gainesville, and now you're at Lumpkin County. Out of the blocks, this season there at 3-0, and what was the vibe coming into this year? What were summer workouts like? Did you have a feeling that this team could be doing this well out of the blocks? What was your general feeling from the summer heading into the year? We were hungry from day one. And I was fortunate that I was able to get here in, uh, for the first day of the semester back in January. Um, and, and so I, I was able to work with the kids uh, starting back in January. And from the first thing that I noticed, uh, and even from the community, was was hunger, just wanting really badly to be successful. Uh, and in, in the process of that, uh, being coachable, um, coach, just tell us what to do. And, and Tell us what it takes. Show us what it takes. We'll do everything that we can. And really that goes into the community and the booster club and all that kind of stuff too, uh, was everybody buying into the vision that, that I brought. Um, and, and, and because of that, we had everybody on the same page. And uh, uh, that helped tremendously. Uh, and, and we worked we worked very hard. Our motto is hard work pays off. Um, there's no secret recipe. You know, there's no magic playbook. Uh, it's just work hard and, and, and watch the payoff take place. Uh, and, and so that's what we've done from, again, sponsors, community, boosters, parents, players, coaches, you name it. And, and everybody uh, working together is, is, is seeing that payoff now. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the, the postseason, I guess, is one of the, the places that you'd like to be eventually when it comes to Lumpkin. Last playoff berth was in 2014 before that. You had uh, four playoff seasons in a row with Coach Hoblitzel back from uh, 2000, early 2000s, 2000 to 2003. And you come out of the blocks this season, you put up a big number on, on Riverside going north of 60. And then you beat uh, Union County at Union County. Then you beat Franklin County at home. What are some of your takeaways here on the field in these first three games? Uh, we keep getting better. Uh, I, I think that's the, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, is we're seeing small growth in every single thing that we do each week. 
Um, we put up big points, you know, early on, uh, but we made some mistakes and we learned from those mistakes. And then you go to game two uh, at Union County, who's got a good football team, by the way. That's a, that was a high quality road win. Uh, that was a great win for us uh, where we had to fight for everything in that one. Um, you know, so watching our guys be able to play a good opponent, very competitive ball game, hard fought to the end. Uh, we scored a touchdown late to make it 28 to six, but it was a close ball game up until that point. Um, you know, and, and then to see kind of put it all together last week against Franklin County uh, was, was good. So we just see ourselves getting better in each phase each week. And, um, you know, hopefully as we, you know, we still got one more non-region game, but by the time we get to region play, hopefully we, we're, we're clicking on all cylinders. And so you know, since you mentioned it, I'll go ahead and go there. This se- this season and next year in Region 7 AAA, you've got Wesleyan in there with Franklin Pridge, and everybody knows his pedigree. Paul Standard has come to Gilmer County in the last couple of seasons from St. Pius. Everybody knows what Coach Standard has been able to do. Gilmer's off to a hot start. You've got Dawson County with Sid Maxwell. There's, there's some truly competitive coaches and programs here and what I think is going to be one of the more even regions out there in AAA. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and, and when you talk to the coaches in this region as well, they're saying the same thing. They're seeing what I'm seeing, which is parity. Um, and I think it really well coached football teams uh, from top to bottom. Everybody's going to be really well coached. Uh, I think our players are, uh, are relatively evenly matched. Um, you know, it, it is a mountain region minus Wesleyan, you know, uh, so so you have uh, uh, the mountain communities that that are going to be um, make make the rivalries fun. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think that um, uh, this will be one of the more competitive regions. And the difference between the first place team and the last place team is going to be pretty thin. And it, and it could even come down to some tiebreakers because uh, I think, well, there's a chance that we could all beat up on each other. And it could come down to who makes the playoffs down to some tiebreaker scenarios. Do you know the tiebreaker scenarios off the top of your head? So, no, off the top of my head, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, haven't, I haven't gotten that far yet. But um, so th- those things were put in place before I got hired. So uh, so I didn't have a say in what those were, but, um, but, I, but I certainly could see that happening. Yeah, you mentioned the mountain regions, and I want to get into that for my next question. And uh, when it comes to these particular towns in the mountain region, I mean, it, it really does lend itself to some enthusiastic crowds, enthusiastic fan bases, and, and rivalries that as the crow flies, they're not that far, even though it might take you a little while to get there, you know, from a, a transportation standpoint. But but I think that these rivalries up uh, up in the the uh, Northeast Georgia mountains they really can be special in a lot of these communities. No doubt, and, and it's something that we we've needed. There there there's been outsiders, so to speak. Uh, you know, there's been, and I know Westland's sort somewhat of an outsider, but um, these communities have craved a region because we have it from kindergarten through eighth grade. We we have the local rivalries and it's something that these communities have really craved that they they want to be uh they want a mountain region they want to compete with communities 
um, that are like-minded and liked athletes, if you will. Um, it, it, and, and I think that's going to make it really special. Uh, so some of the rivalries are already in place because they've grown up since they were six years old playing against each other. Uh, and, and so to now kind of see that carry over to the varsity level uh, is going to be a lot of fun for us. Last question for you, and it's a question that I like to pose with coaches that has ties to our recruiting 2022 show. And at the end of the show every week and on the website, we have a feature that we call Make That Kid an Offer. And it has to do with, for whatever reason, you know, the, the, the individual, the student athlete could be too small. And, and as you and I are staring at each other doing it on Zoom, I, yes, I did just use air quotes. So I'm going to be, the air quotes will exist in this question. They could be too small. They could be, you know, for whatever reason, the geography, they fall between the cracks. It's whatever classification someone will come up with that will turn individuals in other directions when it comes to student athletes is there anyone on your roster this year after this first couple of games that you've seen that you would sit there and wave your hand in the air and go make this kid an offer or make this kid a better offer from what you're seeing from your squad yeah as a matter of fact i think you guys have picked up one of our guys a little bit on that and that's cooper scott um cooper's our quarterback he's not too small yeah, he, he's six feet. He's 210 pounds. And he's a tremendous athlete. Um, he is – he throws the ball well, for example. I mean, he's 80% completion on the season. Uh, he runs the ball well. He's averaging over seven yards a carry on the season. Um, it, it, he can do it all. Um, and, and more importantly about Cooper Scott, for the college coaches that may want to give it a listen, He's the guy you want in your locker room. He's the guy that you want on your practice field. Tremendous competitor, tremendous competitor, um, and, and such a great kid. He's a kid that is respected by everybody in this school building, from the custodians to the students to the teachers. Everybody loves Cooper Scott because he has got that infectious personality, and he makes people feel great about themselves, and he makes his, he makes the his teammates feel great about themselves, and he is our unquestioned leader. He's a fine, fine young man. And, and as a football coach, I know this. You want your locker room to be filled with great people, and you're not going to find a better person than Cooper Scott. Turn on the film, you're going to see a good football player, right? But then hear, hear me say this. You're not going to find a better person to put in your locker room than Cooper Scott. Um, he, he's the kind of guy that will show up on a, a college campus and be a captain by the time he's a sophomore. Um, you know, I've been a head coach for 15 years, and, um, and, and you don't see guys like this very often. The last guy that I felt this strongly about in this sense is Chris Conley, uh, who played for me at, at North Paulding, um, a guy that checks all the boxes and the guy that you want in your locker room. Um, doesn't have a whole lot of attention because – over the last three years as the quarterback, he's only been a part of three wins, you know, prior to this season. Uh, and, and, and college coaches don't really go knocking on the doors of the schools that goes three and 27. Um, and so it's our job to, to put the program on the map, which will help put Cooper on the map. Uh, but he definitely is a guy that needs an offer and needs an opportunity. What he said. Head coach of the Lumpkin County football team, it is Heath Webb. Coach, thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Thanks for letting everybody know what's going on up there in the mountains with your 3-0 and start, and we'll be keeping an eye. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me, man. 
So once again, thanks to our friends at Troop, Elbert County, and Lumpkin County that are a part of, I guess, my series this week, where both the podcast and my weekly column are catching up with a handful of folks who are 3-0, and and it's a couple of different stories uh, in and around the coaches and their communities, and it's been uh, really fun to catch up with everybody for all of the content that we have this week at Georgia Public Broadcasting. That's another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at GPB. Don't forget to follow, like, and be a part of the conversation on all of our social media platforms that include, in addition to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube this year, it includes both the TikToks and Twitch. So uh, follow along on all of those social media platforms to keep be, to be kept up to date, if I could get my tongue to work, to be kept up to date on everything going on when it comes to high school football here in the state of Georgia. Remember that uh, we have uh, the web game going on, the, the multi-screen experience, in addition to our Game of the Week on Football Fridays, which is uh, Parkview and North Gwinnett. That one is, is going to be a, a great one up at Tom Robinson Stadium. We'll kick off a little after 7.30, recruiting 2022 with Matt, Hannah, and myself. We'll start your Friday evening off at 7, and then at 7.30, Football Fridays in Georgia is on the air and it is going to be Parkview and North Gwinnett with our multi-screen experience, our second screen experience also available at gpb.org all season long. And uh, it's going to be uh, fun to bring all of this stuff to you all season long, all season long, all season long. So once again, thanks to everybody here at uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks to uh, Commander Sandy, Jake the Snake, uh, King James, and uh, for Hannah and for me. So for everybody here at GPB Sports that does everything on a weekly basis to give you all the best info that you need when it comes to high school football and high school sports. That's another week of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast for everybody here. Play it safe, everybody. Enjoy the games. to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.